Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. Before we get into things this week, if you could hit that subscribe button, whether you're on Apple, Google, Stitcher, YouTube, Spotify, I would definitely appreciate it and it would help us out a lot. But this week we traveled back to Boston as a young kid. I used to look at that scene as a Mecca somewhere I dreamed about traveling to and I would eventually get there later in life. Shout out, stop and think. But I just love the history of that scene and everything that they're currently doing. And it's a pleasure for me to be able to talk to anybody from Boston Hardcore. So this week we had on Doug from Vantage Point, an awesome band who's been doing things. And I just wanted to shine light on them. We talked about the history of the band. And I just hope you guys take interest, check out the band and catch them at their record release show in January. So without further ado, welcome Doug to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Doug. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. Appreciate you uh, having me on. Uh, I'm curious, how do you pronounce your last name? Uh, it's pronounced Ostrowski. It's, uh, it's very Polish. Okay, that's awesome. I have a friend who lives in, he currently lives in Vegas, but he's from Milwaukee. He's Polish and and I, I don't know if he just didn't like his last name, but he had like he had a really crazy spelling for his last name, and I'd always ask him how to pronounce it, and he would never want to tell me. Yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like growing up, I got it butchered a million times by teachers, so I can I can understand the the aversion to to telling to people. Yeah, no, like people pronounce my last name wrong all the time, and like it, it doesn't bother me. Like. Like when people ask me for my last name, I'll go to the spelling before I pronounce it for them. Just because, like, if I pronounce it for them, then they spell it wrong. Then it's like this whole backwards thing. So I just like to kind of get straight to the point. I find my uh, my dad when he's uh, when he says his last name, he he like over like over pronounces the O. So he says Ostrowski, which I find very weird. But I realize it's because I think people could think if you say it that it's spelled with like an a or spelled weird but i just uh i always joke because we're like part irish that he's trying to like emphasize his irish heritage whenever he's in boston so it's like oh apostrophe strassky but okay it's uh <laughs> and are you uh or do you live in uh boston proper um i do right now well i live in dorchester which is like south boston but it's it's still like a, a subsection of boston um but i'm not from out here originally oh okay where are you originally from uh i'm from the blackstone valley a town called uxbridge it's like south of worcester it's like halfway between like worcester and providence Rhode island so still from massachusetts just not uh not from boston itself Okay. Well, that place sounds cool. Yeah, honestly, it was great. It was like, uh, it's pretty like, it's in like central Massachusetts. So 
like half hour from Worcester, 45 minutes from Boston, half hour from Providence, but like an hour from like Springfield. So we could generally get anywhere when we were like kids pretty easily. I went to Boston. Uh, well, the last time I was in Boston was a couple of years ago and we got an Airbnb in Cambridge and I, I remember like we pulled in the driveway and like all of the neighbors were outside like walking their dogs and I was just trying to be friendly like waving to the neighbors and we always like obviously stuck out like sore thumbs because we they could obviously tell we weren't from the area just the way that we were dressed and people were just like so confused and I remember um, this lady with her dog she asked us she's like oh like are you guys just moving in and where we're from like the, the city um that we live in like airbnb like they're in some like legal thing where they're trying to make it illegal so i was like oh i was like i don't know if i'm supposed to say that we're just here for an airbnb and I, we just like made up something like we we're like checking out the house thinking about moving into the neighborhood <laughs> yeah when i uh i actually went to la like last summer and like the Airbnb that we were in was definitely like not supposed to be an Airbnb. So like we had explicit instructions to be like, like if people ask you live here and all this stuff. And I was like, all right, like whatever helps me get a place to stay. I don't really care. But yeah, some, some neighborhoods are really sketchy about that kind of stuff too. Like they really don't want Airbnb coming in. What were you doing in LA? I, uh, I went to sound and fury last year. I actually, um, I was helping out Sam from, from triple B. I was like running the table, selling merch and all that. Cause, uh, that weekend I think, yeah, it was Pat Flynn's wedding. So Sam was at that and he wanted someone to go and sell like records and shirts and stuff. So yeah, he had me go out there. It was sick. It's first time and only time in California so far. So it was awesome. And just to be clear, this is 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Cause obviously 2019, I think both Pat and Sam were there in pretty visible ways. So, so yeah, it was 2018. Dang. I honestly had no idea. Well, I've never like physically met you, uh, but that's, that's cool. I, did you have a good time in San Fury? Yeah, it was awesome. It was like, honestly, like one of my favorite, like fest experiences ever. I've been to, a decent amount of different ones. And I just felt like it seemed to be really set up for people to just have a good time. And I, uh, I don't know. I had a great time there. It was sick. Did you get a chance to check out the intimate room? Yeah. Yeah. So like the, the table that I had set up was like in that balcony area. So it was kind of perfect. I could like watch from like up above any set that like was going on. And then if there's something in the intimate room, I was like 10 feet from the door. So I got to like go in there. I saw, uh, I saw bib in that room and they were a band that I hadn't really checked out before. Um, and like people were going bananas in there. It was like really, really, really cool. And I thought it was cool to be able to give like maybe a band that, uh, does better in a smaller room, like the opportunity to do that. Yeah, and I definitely uh, caught Ingrown. They played in the small room that year, which I thought was like an awesome set. I'm trying to think of who else I saw play in there. I feel like uh, Dead Heat played in there. Is yeah. that is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah that that was cool too. But yeah, it was a that was a cool experience in general. Cool fest. I would love to go back, but. You wasn't able to this past year. Yeah. I was just going to ask, did you make an effort to come out um, this past year? 
No, no. I mean, like with, we did a tour over the summer and just like the way things were like lining up, it would have been like too much for me to be able to afford to go out there and go on tour. So we picked a touring instead. That's fair. I, uh, I'm flying out for FYA at the beginning of January and there's like some things in December that, that I wanted to do, but it's just like, oh, it's just too close. And I've done a little bit too much traveling. So I was, I just had to kind of pull back. Yeah. I feel like uh FYA, like, is that like, how were flights out there? Was that like super expensive for that time of year? Or they had, they like dropped by then. Cause I know in January, like flights start to get a lot cheaper, but that's like pretty close to like new year's. Well, I, use Google flights to like track the prices. And, um, the price that we paid was on like the higher end. Uh, I paid about like $450 round trip for my flight. And based off like the price history, I, I think we waited like uh, probably like a little too long to buy our flight because we literally bought it. Like, I think like about, it was like two weeks ago. And yeah, so it's probably like, a, uh, we bought it like a month out from the actual time we're going to fly. So yeah, it's always it's always tough to figure that kind of stuff out, like when it's going to be best. The reason I was asking, because we uh, for our record release show, we have to fly somebody out from L.A. to to play in one of the bands. And uh, and uh, like it ended up working out that because it's like towards the end of the month, like no one's flying around that time. So like I think it was like 250 round trip or something really cheap for for L.A. to Boston, which I thought was dope. Yeah, and are, are they just like flying into like Boston International? Or is it- yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I think they're flying to Logan. They're just gonna stay here for like a couple, like a weekend. I mean, they're from out here originally, so mm-hmm. probably visit a bunch of people and then fly back. Okay. Uh, well, since you mentioned that show, and I'm sure well, we can kind of um, work a, work our way back up to that. Uh, the band Jinx is that the band from California? No, that's the band from South Weymouth. Okay. Yeah. They started like probably around the same time without any knowledge of each other. And then like by the time like we had heard of that band, like the jinx out here was already kind of like a fairly established thing. So yeah, we have rival, we have rival jinxes <laughs> on different coasts. Uh, yeah. That that's rough. Cause how are they going to figure that out? I feel like they got to figure it out soon because I don't not because the jinx out here, they don't seem like they're stopping anytime soon. And you know, they have a lot of good traction behind them. So I feel like they should get together and try to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not really sure. Unfortunately, I'm not a member of either of those bands cause I would hate to have to figure that out, but yeah, I don't know. I'll have to ask them cause yeah, people, people ask and then, I know one of the members of the Jinx out here wants there to be a joke rivalry between the two of them, but you know, you would hate for that to become a, a real thing. Yeah, for sure. No, like the guys in the band are pretty awesome. I know some of them, so I think they would get it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I might've met one of those dudes out here when at like AHC like last year, but I, I honestly can't remember, but okay. I think so. All right, let's jump back to the beginning of Vantage Point. So yeah, yeah. You guys put out, um, it's the self-titled, the, would you call it the demo? Uh, are you talking about the, the first, like, 7-inch or? Uh, the one that came out in 2016 with the blue cover. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's like, a, that's like the demo. Um, 
Yeah, that came about like in a weird way, sort of. Um, we were a different band before that with like 75% of the same members. And um, like one of the members uh, was not in the band anymore and uh, was decidedly not on friendly terms with a lot of us. But we had uh, we really liked those songs a lot and uh, felt like those were a reflection of where we were trying to go. So it was meant to be like a promo for that other band. Okay. But we just kind of, uh, we got a new member. I was actually, I played bass on that recording and then I became the guitarist and we got a new bassist. And then, uh, we were kind of like, you know what, we'll just kind of like hit the reset button. So we changed the name to vantage point and then, uh, put that out as a demo. <laughs> That's pretty cool though. That I feel like that's a good point because sometimes like you get too far and you're like, crap, maybe like that was a good point to reset. So the fact that you, know, you guys got that new member and this was kind of leading in the new direction you guys wanted to go in anyways, it was a good call to just do it there instead of having to like, you know, explain and try to do it later. Yeah. Yeah. It just felt like a, a good time. Like you said, like, I feel like if we had put that out, then uh, then yeah, we were kind of hitting a point where we were a little too far and would have to answer too many questions. So yeah, it just, it just all really worked out. And when you guys put that out, like do you guys, uh, have like a, was it like a good reception for like the Boston hardcore scene where kids like into it or did it take a while for kids to dig into it? Um, well, I mean like we kind of rolled it out in a, in a pretty cool way. In my opinion, we did, um, we actually, we made it onto CDs at first and like printed off covers and like slipped them in the slip cover. I know that CDs aren't really the, the coolest medium for, for hardcore. Uh, but we just felt like if we passed them out for free at shows, then like on your way home, most kids still have a CD player in their car. So we figured that kids would just listen to it and, you know, make their opinions after that. But there was like a turnstile show, I think, out here at uh, at Hardcore Stadium. So uh, I think we did one song at the end of Freeze set. So uh, we did one song and we passed out a ton of demos. And like that song actually went over really well. And like kids were like like going off to it, which was very unexpected. But like after that whole thing, it did. It seemed to take a little while. Like Boston was just in like a really weird place at the time so it probably wasn't the best time to start a new band but whatever yeah it's like you never really know you guys are just kind of doing it and if the scene's in a good point cool but if not you guys are just gonna work through it but i think it's pretty interesting that you guys did that in 2016 because yeah cds aren't popular which is like super weird um but i get it because i'm not like the biggest fan of like physical things but the fact that you guys still went out like in 2016, like outside of a show and hand stuff out, I feel like that was pretty cool because I still have people or I still see people um, do that for flyers. Not as often as I used to, but I can't remember the last time I saw somebody trying to hand out their demo at, at like the end of a show. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I feel like from that point on, I was like, Oh, like this actually has a good, like effect to it. And I feel like it was kind of being a lost thing, uh, in hardcore. So 
I know that like around here I've noticed we've like just between us, like, like said, like flyers or like really anything that we can pass out at the end of like a show. I feel like it gives, especially a bigger show, it gives kids like this feeling of like, Oh shit. Like, like the, a, there are still things that go on around here. Cause if you're talking about like, like a bigger show, like at this point turnstile or like power trip, like you're getting a lot of kids who that might be the only thing that they know, or they might only know those like bigger bands. So giving them like a flyer or like a demo or something that says, Hey, like hardcore exists where you live and you can be a part of it. Uh, I find that that really like helps out a lot. And I I feel like these kids also kind of want a reason to be like, Oh shit. Like people actually want me here. Not just like I'm coming to this place where, you know, I can be here, but like nobody cares. Like, so I, I, I really see the benefit of, of passing out physical stuff just in general for free. And it's still surprising that there's people out there who don't really realize that there is like a whole scene going on, even though like the access to music these days are like super easy. Like some people are just still like oblivious. Well, yeah, but I mean, if you think about it, it's like, like you are surrounded by, you, you know, you, you already know people who are into hardcore. So like you follow them on Instagram or like Twitter or like you follow these record labels and you know that all this stuff is going on. So it's easy to take it for granted that like these things are there and they've always been there and you've always known about them. But if nobody's like, like if no one told you when you were like, I don't know, 14 or 15 or whatever, that like there were local shows, like you would have no idea. So I feel like it's easy to think that the information is so easily accessible, but it's like only if you're plugged into the right places. And I feel like, especially for younger people, like where are those places? Like, you know, how, how many of them follow some like 20 something year old who's in a band? Like probably not a lot. Yeah. I definitely get, get that. Cause if it weren't for like my older friends, um, back in the day, like I wouldn't know anything. Like they're the guys who are like putting me on to, you know, the bands I should listen to. They're the ones actually taking me places. So I definitely owe those guys a lot. Yeah. And I, I just think, uh, I don't know the, the world's moving in a, in a different way than it used to be, obviously. So I think trying to figure out what are the best ways to to keep people informed and involved and, and all that is a worthwhile pursuit. Yeah. And even in doing this podcast, like I'll reach out to friends and ask if they know like a certain person that I want to talk to and they'll like provide their Instagram. And I'm just like, Oh crap. Like I didn't even know they had an Instagram. And I'm just like, you know, it, it, like this whole thing just like opens up for me and I'm just like so surprised, which is like, I guess I shouldn't be cause it's kind of normal to have an Instagram. And um, so I, I think m- my friends that are like, you know, willing to help me out when it's just like, you know, I got, like I said, it is easy accessible, but um, what you said about not being plugged in um, definitely makes way more sense. Yeah. I just think it's like, uh, you know, if you want to have a cool scene or you want to have like a cool project or record label, or whatever, like, like using those different channels is important and, and letting kids know and, and letting them in is like, especially as like a older person and in, in hardcore, I think it's like part of your responsibility. And how did you get into hardcore? Um, I found out about it. I was probably like, like seventh or eighth grade so like i don't know what that is like 
12, 13, 14. My brother was in, he was like a couple of years older than me and in high school. Like uh, there's this group of straight age kids who just kept giving him like mixed CDs and stuff. And he would bring them home and we, we shared a bedroom. So I just heard it a lot through that. And at first I like, I fucking hated it. I was like, it's like, this doesn't sound like ACDC. Like what the fuck? Uh, but then like over time, like I just heard it so much and like got into some of the bands. Um, but it was a really like, I remember one, like of his mix CDs in general, there was just a real weird mix of like, it was everything from like, I remember there's like Donnie Brook and like Embrace Today on there, but also like Bane and Righteous Jams and Comeback Kid. It was just like, just a ton of stuff, you know, both like whatever was big at the time, but also what like was like local too. So I just kind of like started clinging on to some of that stuff. Do you have any of those mixed CDs still? Oh God, no. I, like because they were his, I like never kept track of what happened to him. So I couldn't, it would be a trip to go listen to him again or to see if maybe there's stuff on there that I don't even remember. But, but yeah, no, I, I would have to ask him, but I, I highly doubt it. Okay. Yeah. Cause um, I used to make like the worst, like mix CDs and I, I used to run through cause I, I never had like the CD. Um, it was like the rewritable ones, like the CDRW, um, so like I would just buy like the big stack and I would like burn a CD and then I would find like probably like one or two new songs and like burn like the same exact CD, but with like just two additional tracks. And I was literally like the worst person at that. Oh, I was always like a full album guy. So I would go on like LimeWire and like, I think like where, wherever I could find the track listing for the record and I would try to find all the songs, but then I would find like different versions of them that weren't on the record or, or what, like a demo version of it. Or I, I had some really fucked up, like, like understandings of certain bands for like a long time. And yeah, like my CDs, I would, same thing. I didn't have like the rewritable ones. So I would just kind of like figure out like, well, how many bands can I get on this one CD? And like some of the, some of the, the record to record things would be really weird. Like, I don't know why that these are on the same CD, but those ones I probably still have somewhere but I, I would have to find them. Yeah. I, it, it's been a while since I've um, made a CD. Like the computer that I have now doesn't even have a disc drive. Yeah. I think the last time I made them was 2016 when I made those vantage point CDs. And then since then I've, you know, streaming and all that has taken over. Have you seen any of those like original vantage point CDs like floating around? Um, no, I actually have like a small stack of them in my bedroom, but besides there, yeah, I haven't like, I hope no one tries to sell them. That would be really weird. Um, and like I, we did that on a tape too. Like, uh, these kids from the UK, like emailed us and we're like, Hey, we're doing this, this record label or tape label or whatever. Like, do you want us to do like to do these? And I, I think so it was a weird situation. They told me that they were going to do, I, I, I responded was like, yeah, you can press them. Just give us like, you know, a percentage of the run to sell ourselves. And then whatever, whatever the rest of them, you can keep them and sell them, do whatever, which I feel like is a pretty standard way of operating. And so I was thinking like, they're going to give us like 10% or 20% of like the run. And the kid goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. How uh, I'm going to make 60 and I'll send you 30. <laughs> I was like, sure. Like, 
I don't know, like fine. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think he even ended up making the other 30. So I, I could be wrong about that, but I never saw anything online or them post about like them selling them. So I feel like the 30 that we had might've just been it. So, so those are out there for sure. That's crazy. But I, I used to play, um, and this is like me equating like uh, your like promo demo to um, magic. I, I used to play magic and used to play this format called modern. And in my deck, I, I had this card in now that I'm t- telling the story. I can't even remember the card name, um, but I bought this like version of the card. It was a, a f- like it was, it was textless. So it was like full art. And um, that card used to be a promo that they would give out at like Friday night magics. But I bought it on uh, on some like random card website. Like I, I bought a playset which is four, um, and I, I think I paid like around like it's like one hundred and fifty dollars for a playset for these four promo cards that were given out free like a couple years prior. But like the value had just gone up because of um, the meta at the time. I mean that that just sounds like record collecting to me. I mean think about how many how many fucking like seven inches and stuff used to be worthless or like bands that like, like just threw them away cause they couldn't get rid of them. And now they're like worth a ton of money. Okay. Oh, you know, I'm uh, not too informed on record collecting. Uh, never really got into it. Oh, I'm a huge record nerd. It's real bad. Like how bad? Um, like, I mean, it's not like, like I've seen people who I would consider worse, but I just have a ton. And I also like sell, like I have like a distro where I sell like used records and it just takes over my apartment. I'm sure my roommates love it. That's pretty cool. Does that, uh, or do you even like promote it or is it just kind of something people have to know? Uh, I used to, um, but yeah, no, now I just kind of like set up at a couple things. I just kind of appear out of the ether with a ton of records and then I just disappear again. So, <laughs> Oh, okay. Just use like a random salesman that shows up. Yeah. Like I do, I do America's hardcore every year. And, um, there was a couple other ones that I, I used to do pretty regularly. This year was pretty slow. Like, uh, they stopped doing that Binghamton style fest up in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. And I did that for a couple of years. I thought that was really a weird and cool fast to do and like kids love buying records there so that was always fun but they stopped doing that and i don't know so yeah i just kind of try to pick my spots how is um a hc this year this year was cool this year was cool it was like a, a newer venue for it kind of like uh none of it was at the the hardcore stadium uh it was all at the middle east so um it was a different vibe it went a little later than it did most years. And I think, uh, I think Matt, that might have to change for, for next year is a little, uh, uh, a little bit of a long day. Most of those days. Um, but overall it's a cool vibe. A lot of people showed up like it's always been my favorite fest just cause it's mostly like my kind of hardcore and also, uh, it's local to me. So it's pretty easy to get to. So I can't complain. Were you there in 2014? Uh, yeah, I would have to remember what the wait. Which lineup was that? Was that? Um, I think that was the first year at the Middle East. I think that was the year Super Touch played. 
the first day? Was that the year breakdown was the headliner? If I'm going to be honest, I can't remember the full lineup. I was just going to ask you if you caught the Fury set. Yeah, that was the first time that Fury came out and played. Yeah, so that was the breakdown year. Yeah, that was uh, that Fury set was insane. Like, that's the best Fury set I've ever seen. It just like seemed like everybody was very primed. And I think that was their first time on the East Coast in general. It was really, really cool. Yeah, it was like I used to watch the video and then um, it went unlisted on youtube and then one of my buddies actually just sent me like an old tweet that had the link to the video so um if you have the link you can still go and watch it so he sent it to me and i I watched it again i was like wow this yeah i was like this is everything i remembered about this set it was just like so insane and just looks so awesome yeah that was like that's the cool thing about like ahc too is there always seems to be some like real standout sets or like some stuff where you feel like, well, I just saw something really, uh, really special, which I've always, uh, I've always enjoyed. I've, I've been like, I think I've gone to every single show of America's hardcore since it was like, I think it was 2011 or 2012 when it was like triple B showcase. And, uh, it was like a, in my eyes reunion. I went to that one and I was like, I was hooked. I went to every single one since then. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like they come out with like a really strong lineup every year. It's like like a nice way to like end the year because I feel like after AHC, there's nothing really big going on it like show wise. No, and like it, honestly, it's kind of a weird time of year too. Like I feel like everybody's getting ready for the holidays and like work and school seems to be like winding down and and all that. So it kind of feels like it comes at like just the right time to give everybody a little break between then and, and FYA. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's something cool too, because like sometimes I, I forget that it happens just because it, it is like so late in the year and like, you know, all the fests have already happened and then they come out with the announcement, you know, normally like, is it like always like November or October and it's like, Oh shit. There's like one more th- like big thing going on in hardcore. Yeah. And it's a, uh... The uh, the only thing I find hilarious about it is that Sam makes a bunch of people, usually from warmer places, come to Boston in December. It's like, dude, you're just punishing these people. You're just being kind of a dick. I can't imagine what it's like out there because when I was in Boston last, I think it was uh, it was in October, so it, it wasn't like super cold. Like there's no snow, so it wasn't bad. Yeah, no, October is usually not too bad. And usually like HC weekend isn't like terrible. It's probably cold for people who come from like Florida or something. But like it's probably like having a hoodie on weather for me. But this year it was like like actually cold. Uh, so I don't know. Everybody had to break out the jacket that they bought for the one time that they come up to Boston. That's funny. Um want to get back to vantage point you guys put out a promo in 2017 yeah yeah those uh those were i think that's what a two song we did two songs online and then um there's like a cover on the tape version of it uh that's like a a 10 yard fight cover but we didn't we didn't release that online can you talk about and then can you talk about the, the the cover that um is on the Bane camp? Is that the same cover on, is on the tape? 
Oh God, what do we put on the band camp? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, like a collage of records. Like, um, like, Oh Boston yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so me being a nerd, those are all my records, mm. um, that I laid out on our like living room floor. So like, uh, three quarters of vantage point all live together in, um, in an apartment in Boston. Uh, and so like one day we just like laid out every Boston straight edge or Boston hardcore. I think it was Boston straight edge only. I would have to look, but, uh, we just laid them all out on the floor and took a picture of it and, uh, came up pretty cool. So we used that as the, as the cover, but yeah, that was all just like, after that, all the rest of the stuff was all like cut and paste stuff. I don't, know how to use like Photoshop or anything like that. So we just kind of, you know, cut it up and figured it out. But yeah, that was, uh, you know, kind of just like, a an homage to some of our, our favorite bands. Man, I'm, I'm into it. Cause I, I, I love when people like show pride in where they're from. Yeah. I mean, like for us, like, I mean, for, for, I can, talk for me and in, in, in general that like when I was like younger, I thought Boston hardcore was like the coolest shit. Like I always wanted to be in like a Boston straight edge band. I always wanted to be in a Boston hardcore band. So like between like moving out here and like starting vantage point and all that, it just felt like, uh, you know, finally I could say I was like a, a Boston hardcore kid without feeling like a, an asterisk next to it of, Oh, but I'm from like 45 minutes out. So, when I was younger, I used to love Boston hard run and I still do, but I would like look at the scene, like, you know, like through like, you know, Boston beat down and I loved, uh, righteous jams. Like even to this day, like still like one of my favorite bands and, you know, death before dishonor, blood for blood and calling of Arabia, uh, Ramallah, just like those bands to me, like, growing up were so sick and and i I've, I've seen all those bands except for righteous shams which is sad to say and i i used to just like look at boston hardcore as kind of like like uh just like a place where i wanted to like someday go so the fact that i've been there a couple times and have been able to experience the scene out there it's, it's pretty cool yeah i think uh like a thing about it that i've always loved is that like so you can like mention like bands like that like like Ramallah, Blood for Blood, all that kind of like that, like heavier side stuff. Like, but at the same time, that would like exist at the same time as like bands like In My Eyes and Tenured Fight and like Mental and Righteous Jams and like Converge and all that stuff kind of has always coexisted and, and, and played together and supported each other and been part of like one scene, which I think is, is cool and also like not something that you see in a lot of places, like a lot of times it's like, Oh, well those kids don't come to our shows. And that, that was not the case back then at all. Yeah. And it was like, seriously, like all those bands that you named, like and you think about them just being one like cohesive scene, it's awesome. And I feel like a lot of places things are divided, which is so weird to me. Like I hate when I talk to certain friends of mine and mention um you know a show that i'm going to then they try to trash it and i'm just like all right you're an idiot like you talking bad about this show that i'm going to does no good for anybody like i'm just going to do something that i enjoy so the fact that you're trying to put it down like you're an idiot yeah and unfortunately i feel like boston feels like that now more than it ever has it it seems like 
there are, and, and once again, I, I think that this goes back to like people just not necessarily knowing about like the other stuff going on. Like, I feel like you have a totally different group of kids who will come out to see like Vane play versus like maybe one of our shows or like, you know, and any of like the more straightforward kind of hardcore stuff that's going on. And, uh, but I think a lot of it's just like, well, Vane is such like a huge band compared to like anything else that's going on in Boston. So, you know, those kids know about that stuff, but maybe aren't totally in the know about other things that are going on. So I think it'd be cool to see what happens in the next couple of years or like, you know, even this upcoming year about what, what kids find out about and what people start going to. And, you know, I think that'll be fun. Is there a, like a centralized, like social media page for shows in Boston? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's called safe in a crowd. Um, I am one of the people who run it. It's, uh, it started as like a Tumblr that was out there that my friend Jim D started. And, uh, now it's like a group of us who just work on like this Instagram and just post up flyers. We're honestly pretty bad at like being consistent with it, but occasionally you'll see a spurt of us just throwing up every flyer for the next like month. Yeah, um, you guys should be that like that beacon for your guys' scene because I, I feel like um, his, uh, the one out here that comes to mind is uh, yeah, it's like California hardcore and I I, I f- and I'm not sure how the process works but like I assume people just like kind of funnel all the flyers to them and they post it just because they have such a following and obviously you can still find out flyers by like normal people posting it but. Um, that's like just like a good place to go and kind of peek at like what's going around or going on in like the surrounding areas of Southern California. So yeah. Like any, anytime I book a show, I, I try to make sure that it, it makes it to the safe and a crowd page. Cause it's definitely like, uh, the reach of, of that is much more far reaching than anything that, that I have, you know, or mm-hmm. like the amount of people who follow me, it's just like, it just starts delving into different worlds and, you know, I, I see the page just gets like followed by people who I'm like, I don't know who you are at all, but that's cool. Like, yeah, that's honestly the ideal, right? Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, they'll post every like show fire. They're, they're not doing just like the heavier stuff or like the fast stuff. It's like they post every hardcore flyer and they just want to ha- have the information out there for everybody. So um, people could be aware. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we try to do too, is like, I'm not trying to like gatekeep and say, Oh, this is what you should be listening to. And like, ignore this other stuff. It's like, it's like, no, you should just go to shows. Like there's a show going on that you're into. Like you should be able to find out about it. Yeah. And it's like, you can, you can listen to everything. Like you don't have to just listen to like one type of hardcore. No. And I think like people often assume like either that you have to, or like even more so that like certain people do, like, I'm sure that there are people who think that like, I only listen to like straight edge bands or like that there's some perception that I'm only into like quote unquote youth crew when that's far from the truth. That's interesting. Yeah. And I, I I think it's funny when people like make these like weird assumptions like about like other people. I'm just like, okay like i'm sure they they i I think it would be weird if somebody just listened to like one type of music because i feel like most people these days actually have different tastes like you know outside of just one style of hardcore yeah and i I think that's how it should be because otherwise you're just gonna get burnt out there's not like a lot of any of these styles and 
there's especially not a lot of good bands in all of these styles. So like if, if you're just like listening to like, yeah, if you're just listening to youth crew bands, like you're going to quickly find the, the C tier and D tier of the, of the genre. And you're going to get burnt out being like, wow, all these bands like are ripping off each other. And it's like, well, yeah, cause I don't know. They put out a seven inch in like 1994. Like, of course they're ripping off other people. <laughs> like it just is what it is. Yeah. And for me, I just like to try to experience and like appreciate what's going on now. So I I still do listen to the older stuff, but I'm always like in search of like what's going on currently just because like I, I, I would hate to miss like a good band, you know, say somebody came through my area and I was, if I I was just like oblivious, like I would feel like an idiot. It's happened before. I just don't want to experience that again. So I was just try to listen to like everything that I like. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that's like the way to go. Like, because yeah, you can be like, Oh, I know all these old bands, but it's like, what are the chances that you're going to like see those bands? And if you do like, what are the chances that that's like a vital, like, thing that feels relevant right now like don't get me wrong i've been to plenty of like reunions that like i thought were great and i had an awesome time but it's like you know all those shows that you like watch old videos of it's like i was like yeah that that video is cool but like like that kind of stuff can still be going on and probably is still going on if you don't go to that show then like how much of an idiot are you gonna feel like when you're like, Oh yeah, I could have, I could have been at that, that like that great show. But instead I was like, I don't know, watching like old straight ahead videos. Yeah. I just, I just encourage people to go out and just participate now and you know, they can be, they can like relive those things that they want. They can do it real time. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people are like, I feel like a lot of people are, are, are really plugged into like what's going on now. If anything, I feel like people are more into what's going on now than the older stuff. Like I have like in the past, like couple of years, noticed a, a drastic drop off of like the amount of bands covering old bands and like, or just like how good of a reaction a cover will get. Like in the past couple of years, it feels like most kids are, are like into what's going on now. Not really like, digging back too much which like i think that you should be doing both but it's cool if they're interested in like what's going on right now yeah it's it is strange when people will do a cover that you know and like you look around and like the room's just kind of like oh like i'm like they don't know what's going on so i'm just like oh like wow we're all on different pages right now yeah yeah and stuff that like even like two or three years ago that would get like a crazy like like kids would be freaking out like we'll go over to crickets this like nowadays which is like really wild but it just goes to show how many like new faces are are like popping up everywhere yeah and and i'm sure like like there'll be newer kids who are like super hungry and will do their homework and go back and like listen to like the old stuff yeah, for sure. I mean, cause that stuff's undeniable, like, you know, like, and, and soon there'll come a point where maybe there are less current bands coming out and that's when a lot of kids start like digging back and going, okay, well I know all the stuff that's happening now. Like where did it come from? So yeah, it just comes and goes in cycles. Okay. 
in uh was it 2018 you guys put out the seven inch the self-titled yeah yeah so like i mean put out is like you can put in air quotes because like (laughs) all the songs on there are just like stuff that already been released Mm -hmm. so i was like i mean when we put it out it was funny because we (laughs) i feel like people checked it out as if it was a new thing and like you could kind of tell it's like oh yeah you had just kind of maybe you come to the shows but you weren't really paying attention to what we were doing uh because like i had some people come to me like yo i love those new songs and it's like yeah they've they've been out but i mean <laughs> oh wow you know okay I, but but either way it's like it's cool i'm like i'm glad you're like you i'm glad you're listening to it whether mm-hmm. it's now or before so yeah so it was yeah because that's the that's the demo on like the a side and the b side is the the promo um because the in the promo like those songs are um they're those two songs were part of a five song like session that we did in our practice space and so we recorded those ones by ourselves and um we're just like we were demoing them out for uh a planned seven inch at the time and we had released those two as a promo uh, and it had gone over well. And then, uh, the dude from straight and alert had like emailed us and he wanted us to do like something with them. Like, and we weren't sure like where, when and where we were going to do the, the seven inch, but he was like, well, what about like just doing the stuff you have out already? Just, he's like, I just want to do a record for you. And we were like, okay, like that's, that's cool. Um, so we put together that, that whole thing and, and it was great working with him. He like, he promoted the shit out of it. Like, like we had a lot of more people paying attention to what we were doing. So we kind of just turned it into being like, you know, once we saw everybody was reacting in a way that was like, this was like a new release. We were like, all right, like I'll play along. Like, <laughs> like if you're, you know, if it was something that got people excited, we were like, all right, cool. Like we're down. But is it, was it, or was it a little strange that it got such a strong reaction when it's just like, yo, these songs have been out. Like, what have you guys have been doing? Uh, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, um, I don't know, maybe it was just like, like actually putting out a, a record made our band seem more like legitimate to people. Okay. I, I don't really, I don't really know. Like, but for me, it kind of went to show, and like something that I've, I think about a lot is that like your perception of your band is clearly like way different than what other people perceive it as, or, you know, the things that you think are so obvious about your band, it's like, well, maybe people aren't getting that. So like trying to think about how, how, what your band does gets perceived by other people is kind of interesting. No, I, I definitely get that because I'm um, same thing with this podcast. Like uh, um, I got like a newer version of the program that I use to edit the podcast. And I was talking to one of my buddies who's like an avid listener and I, I appreciate all the support. And I, I asked him what he thought of the newer like mixes of the, like the podcast and he told me he couldn't really hear a difference and I'm just like, okay. I was like, maybe it's because like, I know how it all sounds when it starts and like, I know like the whole process. So maybe it doesn't sound different to him, but like for me, I could hear like all the different changes. Yeah. And I think also like that person is consuming it in real time. So like you put out a new episode and they listen to it. So 
like I know, uh, I think is on Axe to Grind podcast, they had been talking about how like, like, oh, like our recording quality is way better now. And I like, I remember listening to them saying, I go, not really like this is like the same. And then I went back and I listened to like, I think the first episode or early episode and I went, oh shit, they're right. Like, you know, when you jump back that much, you kind of notice it. But like, if you're following along, it's probably just like, oh, this just gradually got better over time, almost without even like someone noticing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also going back to the whole band thing. I remember um, I was and, and I was talking to uh, Lennon from Eco Strike when he was out here uh, when they're doing their West Coast run with um, Envision and Magnitude, and they I, I can't remember the situation, but um, they had like a like a show oh, they were trying to hop on an, uh, on this like backtrack show. And I was, uh, talking about how, like, I, I thought that would have been awesome. And it, it did end up happening. It was in LA and he was talking about how he wasn't sure. Um, like how, cause like, okay, sorry, I'm totally butchering this, but okay. There was supposed to be an, uh, an orange County date. Cause I, I think they were either going to just take the whole day off, um, or play the backtrack show. And, uh, there was supposed to be an orange County date, but since it was like on the same night of the back, the backtrack show, I, I think the, I think the promoter or somebody didn't want to do it because they didn't want to compete and they weren't sure, um, if the show would do well. And like, I told him, I was like, dude, I think if that tour package would have hit Orange County on the same night as Backtrack in LA, I think the show would, like would have been fine. And he was like, um, he was like, uh, like kind of unsure about it. And I was just like, wait, I was like, I was like, you know, kids like out here ride for your band. Like they, like you guys are, you know, like, like really popular to these kids. And just the fact that he was like, telling me that he didn't, um, really like feel that way uh i was just like this is strange i was like i was like you probably just think you're in some normal band but like the way like i look at eco strike i'm like dude like you know all the like the awesome records they put out like you're literally in the middle of a tour like on the west coast i'm like this is weird that like you don't think um you know that your band would sell well in orange county especially for like that style it was just like really surprising to me yeah i mean like well yeah like i mean i think that's a perfect example of just like you don't really know like what your band does and like what will like what will pop off or like what will be a thing that people think is relevant like we played recently like after the the newest record came out we played in in toronto and like the show was great like like really cool show kids were staying along like moshing we were like yo this is awesome like we're in a fucking like different country and like you know, it's, I know it's Canada, but it's like, it's like, yo, we're like eight hours from home. Like kids know the words of the song. Like that's crazy. And then we had some kid afterwards. It was like us and antagonize. And, uh, uh, the kid was like saying like, Oh, it's so cool that like triple B bands are playing in like a basement here. And like, we're kind of like sitting there going like, well, that's what we usually play. Like, you know, like we're not some like some like big, huge deal. Like we're just like a, you know, we're just like any other band, but like, you know, when kids like look at triple B and they're like, Whoa, like that's crazy. And it's like, Oh yeah, I guess like, you know, having like come up around here and like triple B has just always been a constant, um, for me. So like seeing like other people be like, no, like bands on that label, like that's a big deal. And it's like, it's like, Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. I guess. But like, he thought it was so cool that like, 
we were playing a basement show. It's like, I'd rather play a basement show than most other places, but yeah, it's just so, so funny how like, you know, that's just so normal for you, but for them, it's just like this amazing thing. <laughs> yeah. And it's just a perception that you're on like this, like this, like bigger, like relevant label at the time. It's like, Oh yeah, that does help out a lot. Like in ways that maybe I didn't think it would. Okay. Um, I guess this is a good segue. Um, triple B records at any point, did you think that you would be in a band on the record label? Uh, well, this is my second band on triple B. So, oh. so yeah, I, I, the, I, it was like, I mean, both times have been great, but like the, I remember the first time was kind of like mind blowing for us just because like we were local kids around here and thought it was so cool that like Sam was, was down with what we were doing. And, um, what was the first band? I'm sorry. Uh, it's being called take control. Uh, we put out like a seven inch in like 2015, I think. Yeah. Something like that. Um, but yeah, there was like a bunch of kids that I'd like come up with and we were like living out in the Blackstone Valley and it was a strange band kind of like, uh, the abused confront like that kind of like, like harder, fast, straight edge stuff. Okay. And wait, brotherhood. And kind of like that. What, what was this? The first band you're talking about at the beginning of the podcast? Um, I'm trying to think. I don't remember what I was talking about back then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, what uh, vantage point came from? Oh no, no, that was a band oh. called free will. Um, oh, okay. That like, yeah. So like when, when take control was going, um, actually Russell who sings for vantage point was in a band, uh, called swing back. And then they started a band called burning fight, which was, uh, like mostly like van- like half of vantage point was in that. And we kind of like were bands around the same time, take control and burning fight. And then when take control ended, I joined, uh, a new band with them that was free will. And then that became vantage point. So I kind of like jumped over from, uh, from take control to, to this like group of people after take control was done. Okay. And do you remember at what point like triple B uh, approached you guys vantage point to be on the label? Um, it was like, early early this year um because we had like we were in the process or finishing up recording the seven inch we didn't really have a plan for it and uh we were talking to sam at a show and he was like he was like oh i would do it but like it would have to be like like late in the year and like at the time i think it was like january or february of this year and it was like done I know that everybody was kind of like antsy being like, Oh, like, like that's super far away. You know, we, we haven't had any new music out, especially since like the first seven inch we put out was like basically old material repackaged. We were like, fuck, we haven't had like new music in so long. Um, so it just kind of felt like it was going to be forever, but it was the best option. So, uh, and we, we knew at the time that like everything around triple B was so like, hyped up and like everybody was like really paying attention to what Sam was putting out and like still are just because like, it seems like every 
relevant band is like signing to triple B these days. So we were like, yeah, this isn't like, there's not really a better option. So we'll wait just because it was mainly just because there were so many records coming out. Cause if you look between like February of this year until our record came out, like I'm sure there's like, like 10 plus releases, which is crazy for a record label. Yeah. And I, I can't remember, but I'm not, have you guys made it on to the roster t-shirt? Uh, yeah, we're on like one of the, the newest ones, I think. I can't remember. Uh, there was like one that came out that we weren't on. And then it might be the one for like, I think he did one for Sound and Fury that we made it on to. Okay. Uh, yeah, because I think that that's like the newest one that I've seen. But I, but I can't yeah, remember I, if I saw you guys on there or not. I think I think Russell, our singer, has one because like he uh, he's a hairdresser and he'll cut Sam's hair sometimes. So Sam will just pay him in like triple B merch. So I think that was one of the ones that Russell was like, oh, we're on the shirt. I need to get it. <laughs> That's a good exchange. Yeah, I think that works out for everybody involved. That's awesome. Uh, so you, you guys did that um, promo, which came out. Um, it says June. So I'm just not sure if that's correct. Um, might have been. Uh, I was. It was either like late, late June or early July. Because mm-hmm. um, I remember it because it got. So there was like a. We had like a, it all planned out like that it was going to come out at like noon and like we were going to post it. Sam was going to post it. It was going to be like this whole like thing. And uh, that was like the day that like Instagram like had a meltdown. And so like none of it was working. Nothing that we were posting was working. But like some people saw it, but some people didn't. So like it all got fucked up. And like it was so close to the 4th of July like weekend. And then that was the beginning of all the half heart stuff. So like we tried our best to salvage it, but there was just like, it got, it all got messed up and I feel like it got overlooked because a lot of people were just frustrated with the internet. So they were like, all right, fuck it. I'm not going to go on today. And like news moves so fast that I feel like it it came out and like, we definitely saw like a slight bump in like awareness of, of what was going on. But we were definitely kind of like, oh yeah, this didn't go the way that we had hoped it would. That's like literally the worst feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it just felt like, uh, like taking a huge L for sure. Like we were, we were bummed. It was like, it's like, fuck, like we thought this was going to be like, we had all planned out too. You know, we were like, Oh, we made all these like flyers and stuff for like to post online and everything. And it just like, it just all got messed up. So, but I mean, the good thing was that it wasn't the record itself. It was just kind of like a promo. And we were just trying to put it out in time for um, for us to go on tour because we were going on tour like a couple weeks later and we hadn't announced the tour yet. So we were like, we're like, oh, we'll, we'll put out the promo and then announce the tour like like almost immediately after. Um, and it just like it all got fucked up. That happened to me for my episode 100 i i did like a video um i, I did an audio but that came out after but the, the video and um this is actually the first time i'm talking about this on the podcast i had the uh the video scheduled um and this is me working with uh steven 197 so shout out to steven we talked about releasing it on my birthday, my birthday. and i'm literally at work 
on the because this year my birthday fell on a Saturday and I was at work on Friday and I get this um, notification from YouTube. They're like, oh, 197 new new video. And it's like the the episode that we did together. And I was like, oh, shit, like this is supposed to come out tomorrow. And Steven's in Canada because he went to go film this um, this toy drive show with like face wreck and like the line of communication it was just hard because he's in a different country and i'm not even sure like what he was doing like th- that early so i was like freaking out i'm like oh shit like this is like out like a whole day early like i was not prepared for this at all so i'm like in like the del taco like drive through like scrambling to try to like uh put or post all this stuff to help kind of promote it and like shit's just coming out all like backwards and i'm like i was so frustrated but i was like oh shit i'm like whatever it's out now and i'm like watching it getting like a couple plays and i'm like damn it like people are already watching it like i I can't ask him to take it down because people are already watching it and it's already out there so i was like screw it i was like fine it's out a whole day early i hope everybody enjoys it and then like i just tried my best to like promote it yeah i guess like when that kind of stuff happens it's kind of like all right well like you know things didn't go the way you planned but you just kind of have to like roll with the punches and figure out how to like salvage it or like and it's probably not as big of a deal as like you think it is but it same it just goes back to that perception thing it's like to you it seems like oh like we totally fucked up like this sucks and it's like it's like man like i don't know like if people see it they see it if they don't they don't like i I guess there's like there's not much you can do about it but it definitely does feel like the fucking end of the world sometimes yeah it's like this whole thing and and, uh, yeah it was like this whole thing we worked hard for now it's now it's fucking ruined because it came out a day early but in all reality it was fine it came out a day early people were stoked the video wasn't ruined it it just didn't go the way that i wanted to 100 percent. but i'm like it's fine like not a big deal yeah. Yeah. And like, it's easy to say that in retrospect, but like at the time, I'm sure you were just like, so yeah, pissed. I was so stressed in the Del Taco party. Like, I'm like trying to pay for my food, but like, you know, make sure like my Instagram's going right. Yeah, man. Like some, sometimes it'd be like that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but going back to that promo, um, you guys did uh, two covers and I was interested, like I was interested, like why did you guys pick, those two songs and um was it planned to do two covers or did that just kind of come around last minute um so we had to go back to the studio to do both of those it was kind of like uh so like there's like one song on that promo that made it to the seven inch and there's another one that didn't um we kind of like bounced the idea off to some friends and like being like, Oh, what should the lineup for the, for the record be? And like, what should the track listing be? And so, uh, some, some of our friends have been like, Oh, like it should be four songs, four songs, four songs. So like we settled on the lineup, the track listing that it is now. And we took that like extra song and just put it as like a, a promo only kind of thing, which like, I, I like to do. I, I like when there's like, when there's a reason to like be aware of like a promo or something like or like a kind of like a B side where it's like, you know, kind of like if you dig into the band, you'll find this. And if not, like, you know, it just is what it is. Um, so I thought it was cool to have like only one of the songs from the seven inch beyond there. And then the two covers were just kind of like, well, I think a two song promo is cool, but what if we just did some 
same thing, a little extra. We were pressing it to a tape for the tour. So we wanted to make sure that it like seemed like something that was worth buying rather than just like two songs. Uh, so yeah, we just went back and, and recorded those two with, uh, with Will from dead air and they, uh, they came out cool. Yeah. I'm, I think we just tried to decide on some songs that were maybe a little different and maybe a little more towards what we were like drawing influence from, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Wasn't I'm trying to think of of any particular reason why we settled on them. I think we just pitched a bunch to each other. We like listened to them all, and then like we're like, oh, okay, these are the two. These are like the buns that we want to give a shot. I was listening to it on Spotify, and I was like, wow, these songs sound familiar. And I was like, wait, these are covers, um, because on Spotify, um, it, it doesn't list like who does the cover. And I was oh, just, right. yeah, so like, cause like I, I, I had it playing and I didn't like, you know, analyze like the names of the tracks. I just kind of just like let it play. But yeah, when I got to the songs, I was like, yeah, I was like, these are definitely covers. This is awesome. Um, and then I was like, you know, just looking around and on, on the band camp, the triple B band camp, it, it lists who the covers are by. So I was like, oh, I was like, it's interesting. Yeah. Thank God we did the American nightmare one. Cause I feel like that song is like, so distinct or like if you know the band like that's like a, a song that you would know mm-hmm. whereas like in 2019 i'm not sure how many people listen to desperate measures so had we done like a desperate measures cover and like i don't know like right brigade or something like that it would have been like <laughs> people probably would have listened to it online just been like yeah these uh these songs are like really different from their other stuff but yeah. it's cool <laughs> yeah they're like, they might be going in a new direction <laughs> yeah honestly people probably still think that too like there's a you know not everybody knows american nightmare like not everybody knows so yeah i guess same thing goes back to perception maybe people just think that we wrote those songs and we're geniuses yeah but i i do think it's cool that you left one song like you know just to live there on that promo it was kind of cool because it gives it does give people the reason to you know purchase it or go check it out yeah i, I you know for me as a as a hardcore listener, I, I, I love, I love digging deeper on bands and I think giving people the opportunity to do that is always, uh, always a cool thing, you know, especially if it's like a band you like really, really like, you know, then you're like, Oh cool. There's like extra stuff there for me. I, it's not just like the stuff everybody knows. Okay. So let's skip forward. It's October. You guys put out, an answer you won't find, which I thought was awesome. I and I, I really like that um, you guys put of twelve on there. I, I think that might be my favorite song because the promo got me excited and listening to it on the actual record, it's cool. I'm I'm happy it made it. Um, can you talk about what it was like to finally release it after so long? Because I, I I think it's cool that you guys decided to make the choice to wait. But you think about how you said um, you guys had those songs or the, the whole record done at the early part of the year, but to come out on the back end and there's like so many things have come out like in that time. Like can you talk about what, like what that feeling was like to finally get it out and have people listen to it and have it on triple B. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, well, first things first, um, Russell's going to love that of 12 might be your favorite song because I know that he like that is definitely his favorite song that we've done on the record. So, and I think sometimes he feels like it gets overshined by other stuff. So he's going to be stoked about that for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, 
it was kind of weird feeling putting it out because we had lived with those songs for like a long time at that point. And so almost to us, they feel old because like we had spent time writing them and recording them like through like mixing and mastering. We had to like listen to them like a ton. So like to us, it was like, oh, like it was almost like, oh, I guess people don't like the new stuff, even though like like the like prior to putting it out because like we would play the songs live and like wouldn't get much of a reaction on them and then we had to realize like oh yeah that's because like no one knows that song because how could they so uh yeah at first it was like i don't know i i felt personally i felt kind of weird i was like man like i was like i hope this goes over well i hope people like like i don't know listen to it or whatever because these are old songs but yeah I, i mean it went over really well like uh, a lot of it definitely had more like online traction than anything else that we've done before so that was really cool um and yeah i was i was just excited like it's cool because there was people who have seen us a lot who are excited about certain songs finally being out that they had seen us play a lot which also i thought was um that's like super validating to me because it's like wow like you like this song enough live that you've been like waiting for it to come out. And I know there's like certain bands that like that's happened to me before. Uh, so I thought that was like really, really cool. But yeah, I, I mean, the wait was a long one. I, I know it felt weird when we did a, uh, we did a summer tour this year we did the East coast. And this is like the second time that we had hit like a lot of those places. And I know that we had been hoping to like be, touring on the new record at the time when we were like booking the the tour so to have to hit all those places again and kind of be like hey we still have mostly the same music out like the promo was new but other than that it was it was kind of the same so uh i'm excited to get get out there and play like new spots or like even old ones with like the new songs out and to see how how those have gone over how people uh are like relating to them which is cool so (laughs) Another thing with the whole record that I'm also curious about is so it, it came out in October, but the record releases in January. There's that's kind of a, a big gap. Can you talk about why you guys waited so long to do a record release show? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a couple reasons. So one was that like it we did pre-orders in October, but the records weren't like of I, I picked up the records like our copies the last week of November, actually the week before America's hardcore. So like they had just started shipping within the past, like couple weeks. So we weren't necessarily going to have them in hand. And then if you look at like the, the timeline, like we, we put out the pre-order and the full stream just being like, Oh, we have a lot of shows coming up and we have like America's hardcore coming up. So we wanted to have like new music out for that. Um, but if you look at, like like kind of like like you said like after america's hardcore like there's not really a lot of like big shows and stuff and like it's a busy time for a lot of people so we were like well we don't want to put the record release after like immediately following that and so then we were like looking into january and like looking at the dates and uh like just between like venues like having to get the right venue and get all of our friends out here um the 25th of january looked like the best option also, it's partially because we played, 
I think it was last February or this past February, we played the One Step Closer record release out in Wilkes-Barre, which was also like, I think that came out like beginning of January and they waited till like mid to late February to like actually do the record release show. And it was cool because it felt like all the kids out there had had time to like really listen to the record, really like engage with it and be like excited for that show. So I, I liked the idea of like letting people kind of like sit with the record for a bit before we kind of like celebrate it coming out. That's awesome. That makes sense now that you break it down with all the things that happened that led up to it being in January. And it, it is cool to give kids time to bond with the record, learn the words, figure out what songs like are their favorite. So it, it definitely makes sense now, but I just really like the lineup that, um, well, I, I'm not sure who booked the show, but just the lineup from top to bottom, I think is pretty awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm super excited about it. I, I personally am the one who booked the show. So I appreciate you saying that it's probably my favorite lineup that I've ever done. Um, just like a good mix of like bands that we're like really good friends with bands that we like really respect what they're doing musically and to have cotton a crowd involved too. Um, you know, they're no longer a band, but have been a band that have been important to, to us and like been really good friends of ours for a long time. It's cool that they're like down to get back together and, and do one show just for this. Yeah, I, I saw my buddy um, Casey. Shout out to Casey, um, the Dividing Line. Um, I, he, I he posted the flyer and I saw a cotton crowd on it. And I'm like, wait, I was like, am I looking at an old flyer? So I like stopped because it was like on an Instagram story, and I like looked at like you know the date and everything. I'm like, no, this is like a new flyer. Like, what the heck? Like, like this is crazy. It's cool. Like, I, I'm stoked that kids um, get to see that band again. Um, I, I'm like bummed that I can't see them live, but like I'm like, this is kind of cool. I was like, I, I hope people you know pay attention when they play um you know i'm sure there's going to be kids there who have never heard of them or i hope they get curious and you know like listen to them after the show yeah i uh i was kind of worried about that i was like shit if like they're on the flyer are people going to be like oh this is an old flyer and just like skip by it so i was like we gotta make sure we put 2020 on there and but then i looked at the rest of the lineup and i was like well all these bands are like not just like bands that are like current but like they're relevant bands like you can't look at that flyer and say like oh one step closer rule them all like oh that's probably an old flyer like those are bands that like you know that those are like like current and like important bands so i uh i i was like all right i think people will realize that this is like a new thing yeah it's it's definitely awesome and uh who's the guy on the flyer oh that's russell from from vantage point okay I can't really tell. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of blurred, blurred and like uh, high contrast. Yeah, but seriously, like that lineup is so sick. Like, um, I'm like looking at the fight right now, and because like, I I'm a huge fan of Rule Them All, so I'm I'm stoked to see them uh, get out there a little more. And um, it seems like they're getting like a little more busy, especially with that new record coming out. So I'm I'm definitely stoked for them. Yeah, we're going to be doing like a couple shows surrounding the uh, the record release with them. Oh, uh, so that'll be that'll be cool. We'll be I mean, this isn't public information yet. I know oh. there's going to be the day before. I think we're trying to do like New Jersey or Philly or something in that kind of area. 
that one's not totally locked down yet. But then the day after we're playing Baltimore uh, with them. Uh, so who's on that? Is it is adrenaline on that gig? I know this band called Raw Life is, and then okay. I don't I don't know who else is right now. I haven't gotten a flyer for it yet. I just have like some like partial information from the promoter, but he's like he's like, oh, it's done. It's like this is the venue. Like that one's like for sure happening. That's sick. Well, but yeah, I'm we sure. uh, we've done we've done quite a bit with Rule Them All, like playing out with them, and and we've done some like weekends and stuff. They were supposed to do like the full uh, tour that we did this summer, but they had some family medical emergency happen. So they did like bits and pieces. Like they joined up with us where they could, but they couldn't do the full thing, unfortunately. But they've just been a, a band that's been super important to us, and and been nothing but like great friends. <laughs> Yeah, that's super sick. Um, have you guys um, started to maybe think about coming out west? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I it's a very nerve wracking like a thought because it's like it just feels so far away, and like it's definitely like a, I don't know if anybody knows who we are out there. So uh, it'll be kind of a leap of faith, but I, it's in the talks for like this summer um about what we're going to do and I, I think that that's a very very big possibility is us hitting the west coast of summer wow. um summer so, sand and fury vantage point if you know a guy let him know that we might that we're, we're interested <laughs> but no one's coming knocking on my door yet okay but yeah well, i mean we're, we're just we're we're down i mean like and like i I just like touring i like getting out there i like seeing parts of the country that i've never been to before and like the only time I've ever been out to the West coast was just for sound fury last year. So I know LA is far from, uh, you know, seeing the whole West coast. So that would be sick. Can't you just call up somebody from triple B and be like, yo, I know there's a contact Santa fury. I'm sure they've asked for like some triple B bands. Can you just pitch vantage point? I just like those things happening organically. You know, it's like, if we get asked to do something, I prefer it to be like, just like, Oh, like the person who's out there is interested and likes our band. And you know, I, I don't want anything to feel like a favor or anything. I just want it to be like a, you know, you either like it or you don't, or like you either know about it or you don't like, I feel better about getting things on merit like that. I definitely get that. Um, which is fair because like, obviously like you, you, you want them to, uh, appreciate the music and want you there for what you guys have done, not because of who, you know, right. And I'm sure that they get hit up so much, like by like everybody being like, Oh, can we please play? It's like, man, that's, I don't know. That's some punisher shit. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely, um, rough. And, uh, and, and I, I, I get like, you know, whatever, like you, you got, you got to try to put your band out there, but, um, yeah, asking to play, like, I couldn't even imagine being in band and be like, all right, guys, like I'm going to ask to play. Hopefully they say yes. That's like uh, nerve wracking, but maybe, I, I don't know. Maybe it's the same thing with me asking people to come on my podcast. Cause I definitely, um, like I, I have like, I have like a lot of help behind the scenes, um, with friends, but there's also times where I'll just reach out and like, and we have mutuals, but I'm just like, ah, let me, let me see if people, um, will uh, be down to do it. Um, if I just reach out randomly and it, it works out sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I, it always helps to have like someone to, to back you up. Like, 
like me knowing that like you had done stuff with with Matt from Pummel and him being like, Oh no, you should go on it. It'll be cool. I was like, all right. Like that was like, you know, just good to know that somebody's like, Oh, so you know who this is? Like that's, that works for me. I think, uh, as far as like getting your band booked on shows, like it's a necessary evil to ask, uh, to play a gig, especially like when you're first starting out. Cause it's like, it's like, Hey, like, you know, like unless you were in a pre-established band before you're going to have to ask for, you know, a couple favors here and there or just throw it out there. But I, we've been fortunate since we've started that we haven't really needed to do that since like the very early days. So I'd like to continue that trend as much as possible. Yeah. And, and I feel like you guys are in a pretty active scene and just, uh, you know, the, the label you're on, there's just like a lot of eyes like on your guys's like label in the area. So I feel like the, um, I think the noticeability is there. Like, I, I feel like you guys just continue to do what you're doing. And I feel like it'll just like obviously naturally grow. But, um, the fact that you, you, you know, I feel like Boston's like a, a special scene. So people do take notice like a lot more versus like some random scene in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm very thankful that I'm not from like, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want yeah, to no, see sure. anybody's got, scene. But like, I was hoping. Like, like, I hope he doesn't name some scene. I'm gonna feel bad. Yeah, I don't know. Like, is there a scene in Wichita, Kansas? I don't know. And I guess that's kind of telling. Like, wow. maybe there is. Maybe well, there is. We're gonna find maybe, out after this. <laughs> maybe there is. I couldn't tell you, but you know. And I'm sure people there are, are probably like, "Oh yeah, figures that he doesn't know." It's like, yeah. I mean, like, what I? Hey, like, I'm down to play. I'm down to play some weird places, you know, like some of our best shows have been in places where like, you know, you tell somebody from like, from up here that you're going to play there and they look at you like you're fucking insane. They're like, why? Like, are there hardcore shows there? I'm like, well, someone booked it. So there's at least one. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and I feel like some scenes get like looked over that are like, man, like those are cool places. Like people should, should be paying attention to that. I mean, I feel like that was, uh, that was Louisville for a long time. Like people were looking over like Louisville or like you would tell them that you're going to go play Kentucky and they're like, why would you do that? But like both times we played there have been like really great. And like all the kids there are super cool and like interested in what's going on and, and really want to check out new bands. So it's like, why wouldn't I play there? We've played uh Tallahassee, Florida, which like when you're talking about like what's going on in Florida right now, that's not necessarily where people are talking about, you know, it's not South Florida or whatever, but um, I think a lot of the bands coming out of there are really cool. And like the scenes always been really great to us and like has shown up to our shows. And like, I, I think they got some cool bands, like, like why not go play those places? Yeah. Shout out, uh, protocol and armor. Yeah. Both those bands are fucking sick. We booked them, uh, out here recently. And like that show was great. We've played with, uh, with armor a couple times down there and all those times they were sick. Like all those kids are super nice. It's like, yeah, like you would be insane to not play those places if you have the opportunity. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie. I, I I've had a bunch of bands on from Florida, and 
they told me they're like, yo, like don't look over Tallahassee. There's these like two bands doing like, you know, good things for Tallahassee right now. And they talked about how they went and played down there and it was just like super awesome. And I was like, wow, really? I was like, I didn't even know there was anything going on in Tallahassee. So like, thanks for the information. Like I'm going to go check it out. And I definitely um, think that like what they're doing is cool. And and it's awesome that um, obviously like the, more popular areas in Florida, like still want like their whole state to be put on. So they're like telling me to make sure to go check out these other bands, not just their bands. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think like people who are like interested in booking in, in whatever their area are, like they shouldn't be afraid to like hit bands up. Like sure. Maybe not everybody's going to be down or like going to be able to, but like, like honestly, if we get hit up, um, and like someone, Cause I, I like do all like the email and stuff and like the Instagram. So like if anybody messages on Instagram or like, or emails us and is like, Hey, like I book shows in whatever place. Like if you guys need a show, let me know. Like I want to do it. If you email us that, like to me, I'm like, all right, like if we're doing a tour and we're coming anywhere near there, like you're going to be high up in the consideration list of places I want to play because you actually want us to play there, which is like, like for me, it's huge. It's like, okay, cool. There's already an interested party. Like I know that you're, you're going to like do your best to do like a cool show and like get kids to show up and like, you'll be excited about us coming through. And like, to me, that's like, that's huge. Like we, like we're, we're playing Baltimore in like in January. And the reason why we're playing there is because this kid hit us up and he was like, it's like, Hey, I want you guys to come play down here. Like if it's possible, let me know when. And like, I hit him up and you know, he gets back to me and so he's like, yeah, let's do it. So I feel like people get really afraid of being like, Oh, no one cares about my town. It's like, I mean, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm the outlier here, but like straight up view show interest, like I'll do my best to make it happen at some point. Yeah, that's, that's cool that I'm those kids reach out because obviously if they reach out and it's like, like not like a more like, you know, popular scene or whatever, like obviously the kid or the person who's reaching out is into the band and they're definitely going to hype up the show and get their whole area to come out and support. So it, it could be like this random show that turns into like an awesome thing. Yeah. And they, they like usually do, or at the very least, like, like, we have a good time and, and like we know that there are people there who like actually care about us coming to play uh shout out to the dude from arkansas who asked us to come play i haven't been able to figure it out yet but like i'll do my best <laughs> arkansas has is there an active scene in arkansas couldn't tell you but there's someone interested so, <laughs> oh, wow. so I'll, I'll do my best okay all right i'm, I'm gonna uh, follow the story closely will vantage point show up for arkansas hardcore uh yeah i mean like i said like if we're playing down there like if i'm playing like i don't know texas or like tennessee or something like that uh you know i'll i'll look at how long the drives are and we'll try to figure it out yeah that one's a that one's a stretch though well <laughs> time will tell for sure. Well, I definitely have had a good time talking to you on the podcast and I just want to say thank you for um, working with my schedule. I I know I had to reschedule kind of last minute, but I appreciate you still being down and taking the time to sit here and talk with me. It's definitely been a pleasure. Yeah, no problem. Like this was cool. Like I'm like I, like I said to you before uh, we started recording, like, uh, you know, I'm 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 always just like 
excited when people are, are interested and want to talk to us about this kind of stuff. So, um, I really appreciate you reaching out and, and doing your best to get in touch with me. I know I can be rather elusive at times. It's all good. Before we sign off, is there anything you want to shout out or plug? Um, yeah. I mean, if you're from like the Boston area, uh, safe in a crowd for shows, uh, you know, come out to shows are, uh, our record release show is on January 25th, uh, in Cambridge at the Elks Lodge. Uh, I know we talked about it a little bit, but that show's going to be great. Uh, yeah. Shout out to all our friends. One step closer, rule them all, pummel, antagonize. Uh, yeah, I just really want to thank you for letting us come on and talk about bullshit for the past couple, you know, hour or so, whatever it is. All right. Well, thank you again. It's definitely been a pleasure. I appreciate all the hard work you guys are doing and I'm stoked for your guys' record release show. I hope it goes over amazing and looking forward to what you guys do in 2020. It's definitely going to be an interesting year. Yeah, no, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think, uh, I think this record's been going over well, so hopefully we're able to get out there. Uh, hopefully we're able to get out to, to the west coast and if we have any plans to i'll let you know all right well um hopefully it's sound and fury or uh maybe <laughs> maybe a triple b showcase I, I know they're doing the new york pop-up this weekend uh i'm just like man this is cool like i don't know any other record label that in hardcore that's doing what they're doing with, with these pop-ups which i think are interesting and I think it would be cool because I, I know uh, they have done these triple B showcases like after San Fury, but not, and it doesn't even have to be tied to San Fury. Maybe if they just get something going and just get some bands um, from out there out here, I, I think it would go over really well. Yeah. I think everything on, on with the label has been going really well, but on the up and up. And uh, I think between uh, I know I talked to Sam yesterday and it looked like the, the New York, Papa was going well. I know the Tokyo one did really well. So, uh, yeah, I, I would keep your eyes peeled. I, I think that more of those are, are, uh, are likely to come. All right. Well, there you guys have it. This has been another episode of the Jamer K podcast. Always on top. <laughs> <laughs>